Welcome to the Wisdom for Warriors podcast. On this episode, we're joined by Pastor Brian Shepard from Doc Talks with Dr. Brian Shepard. All right, welcome back. Uh, I'm here with uh, Dr. Brian Shepard. Um, he's a good buddy of mine. We've known each other. Uh, like going on two years now. Yeah, yeah. something like that now. Um, so yeah, just go ahead and give it a little introduction and we'll see what happens. Yeah, so I'm Brian Shepard. Um, I'm a pastor in North Little Rock of the Baptist Church and um, I have a doctorate of clinical Christian counseling psychology. So I do biblical counseling, Christian counseling with, with folks and uh, married one kid, three dogs, one cat. I mean, standard American white family, you know, <laughs> so uh, we got the golden noodle. So we got every, all the bases covered yeah. of the basic white American family. Yep. Yeah. So um, yeah, I do that. That's kind of my day job. I also have a podcast, Doc Talks with Dr. Brian Shepard. That is a, a mental health podcast that uh, we talk about everything from uh, suicide to abortion. I mean, just the whole, whole gamut of, of issues there. So that's a little about me, what I do. Yeah. Um, you're, you're originally from Arkansas, right? I am. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I, I grew up in Boonville, um, uh, which is over, you know, near Fort Smith. So I grew up there, went to school there. And then, um, after I graduated high school, I moved to North Carolina and went to school there. I was a police officer for about six and a half years and, uh, then moved back home, started pastoring churches or pestering churches, as I pastoring. say, yeah, not pastoring, pestering churches. Yeah, pastoring churches. Yeah. So that's quite the, the journey from like what, how, how did you end up in North Carolina? Cause you, I know you were in law enforcement. If you want to well, talk about it. Yeah. That. So, um, our home life wasn't that great. Um, my dad was, was very abusive. And so I had determined since I was like 14, 15 years old, that the minute I could move out, I was going to move the furthest away, away that I could. Yeah. Uh, and so in high school, I was singing with a, a gospel quartet and, um, I actually found a position in Wilmington, North Carolina, singing baritone. So I packed up all my belongings in a, you know, 1995 uh chevy blazer and uh road tripped out there and moved out there with absolutely nothing and uh just tried to try to make it work interesting that's that's a bold move um you know you know i'm from michigan and every time i'd go home especially when i was in the military i'd be like yeah you know i've I've lived here i'm moving here da 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 and people be like oh yeah you know i've thought about moving and doing doing i'm like well do it Oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to have good motivation, yeah. you know, to do that. And a lot of self, self-confidence self that you can get there and make it work. Yeah. yeah and that's a huge thing. Um, you said you're 18? Uh, I was 17. 17. Yeah. So I just graduated high school. So, considering... so I had to stay in a hotel for like two or three months until I turned 18. So, so nobody would rent to me. Right. Yeah. I didn't know anybody, so it's not like I could you know, couch surf. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a big, uh, thing for you to having that background growing up and then just making that Mm -hmm. huge adult decision just to, you know, pack it up and go. Yeah. You know, my decisions 
brought me to, you know, join the military, like all the decisions um, to better myself. I never felt uh, like influenced by others to do it. Mm -hmm. It was like, all right, I need to get my stuff together. I need to make these changes. Um, So that's always something, you know, I'm sure you have friends that are probably didn't go down the right paths and everything else. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, there's a huge part of it is influence from others, but at the end of the day, it's still your decision. I think that a lot of times we, we want that motivation. We seek that motivation. We seek that validation, but we tend to blame it on somebody else that, yeah, Mm, so-and-so made me move when they didn't really. It's almost like we need a backup plan to blame somebody if it doesn't work out. Yeah. That victimization. Yeah. Yeah. We live in that mentality of, of, well, this didn't work out because, but you're not any part of that because, uh, it's not your fault. If, right. if, if so-and-so hadn't had encouraged me to do this right. and I would have never done it. And, and, uh, that's a really sad place to live. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we just gotta, you know, it's, I could sum up America's problem today just by saying, if we all just were held accountable and we held ourselves accountable for what we've done wrong, it would be a much easier place to live. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've been saying that for years. I, I feel like the world would be better off if they just worried about what directly affects their lives yeah. instead of the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. right? Like, sure. You know, I I love the acronym WIN, what's important now. Mm-hmm. Right? What can I affect right now? Because I used to have bad anxiety. I know you can attest that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> anxiety sucks, but and a lot of that comes from just – thinking about like, Oh, I got this next week. I got this tomorrow. I got this, 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 this. But if you break it down into that, uh, acronym win, what's important now, what can I affect right now? What can I affect today? Mm-hmm. And then it helps take a step back. And like I said, I think if the world could do more of that and just mm-hmm. focus on what, you know, their household, their family, and then make that better before trying to solve the world's problems. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of lot of uh, authority in just keeping your opinion to yourself, mm-hmm. uh, unless it directly affects you. Yes, uh, we all have opinions, and not all of them are the best opinions. Uh, but then, when we try to force our opinion on somebody else, then we wouldn't like it if that happened to us. And actually, what we are doing is trying to change their opinion mm-hmm. by forcing our opinion, and it never works. No. Uh, there's a man uh, in my church, Harold Herring, who used to say, if you convince a man against his will, he's of the same opinion still. Mm-hmm. So even okay. if he agrees with you, if he doesn't really agree with you, then he's still of the same opinion and you've just wasted all your breath. I like that. That's true. I mean, you know, it, it, and uh, you can argue somebody blue into the face, even if you're right. Mm-hmm. If that's the way they think and they yeah. want to be, you know, it's like, you know, you can lead a horse to water. Yeah. But <clears throat> see, one of the biggest lies that we've been told is perception is reality. Yep. And that's not true. Your perception is your reality. My perception is my reality. Right. And I'm not going to be able to convince you of my reality because you haven't experienced all the things that I've experienced. You right. haven't been to all the places that I've been. You haven't seen what I've seen. Uh, and so when we get so narrow minded that our perception is the only thing that matters, then we have huge controversies 
because you just don't understand. I don't know how yeah. many times I've been told that. You <laughs> just bet. don't understand. Uh, and in a lot of areas, I don't. But that doesn't mean that based on your life experience that you get to dictate what everybody else has to do. And, you know, it's funny you said that. And I know I've said that to somebody before, mm-hmm. you know, back before, I guess I matured, you mm-hmm. know, and everything. And like, that's, that's true. You, you matured. Know? When did you mature? Oh, it was like two weeks ago. Two weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, that you, you just that victim mentality, like, oh, you don't know where I've been. You don't know this. And that's where, like, it, <clears throat> being a veteran, there's a lot of veterans that are like, you don't know. You, but, like, bro, I may not have been there mm-hmm. when you were in that firefight or whatever, but mm-hmm. I've also been in my own battles. Yeah. And we all did similar things. And there's somebody else that probably has it worse. There's, you know, I got buddies that have shrapnel in them. And, and yeah. I know guys that are missing limbs, you know. and it, So saying that. There's always, we're almost up to 8 billion people on the planet. Somebody's probably been there. Well, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Right. So if you've been through it, there's been somebody else that's gone through it or worse. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but when you get back to scripture, like iron sharpened iron, Mm -hmm. if somebody says, you just don't understand, if we are able to uh, take into consideration what we don't understand about it and ask them to say, well, help me to understand. Yeah. Then that's where we can sharpen each other as, as opposed to saying, I really don't care what you think. Uh, you know, uh, people who have bad ideas have strong attitudes of trying to convince you that they're right when they know that their argument is flawed. So they don't try to argue or convince. They just tell you you're wrong and you don't understand. Yeah. And so when you get that, I don't understand or you don't understand. will help me to understand nine times out of 10. They're just going to walk away because they don't even know what they're talking about. They don't. They just want to be able to have an excuse to fall back into that victim mentality. Yeah, that's so true. And then it's, well, Paul, he didn't understand what I said. And I, I've never liked him anyway. Yeah. And so, you know, he's just a piece of crap and I don't like him. And, and and then it's just this this concourse of dogging somebody because they really did want to understand, but you didn't know how to, to communicate that to them. And that's a big thing, right? Is that right there is communication. Yeah. You know, any relationship, I say this to people all the time, any relationship can crash and burn without communication, especially marriages, mm-hmm. uh, friendships, work relationships, you know, boss, you know, wh- whatever, you know, configuration, yeah. communication is key. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're not properly communicating, if you don't know what I want, but I feel like you need to know what I need, what I need and want, how can I blame you for not knowing that? You yeah. know? And, but that's, that's a, one of those cycles we're in. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, the number one cause of divorce is marriage. That's, that's the first cause. Uh, if you look at statistics, that has to be the first cause. Yeah, right. But the second is communication. The yeah. third comes in short of money. Yeah. But the, the argument of money is because of communication. Lack of communication. Right. right. Yeah. My wife gets mad because we don't have any money. And I get mad because we used to have money before she found out yeah. how much money we had. Right. Yeah. But, commun- but as you said, it's not just in marriage. It's not even just in relationships, but in community. Yep. That we have communication. I mean, there's there have been situations, and, and most recently there was a situation of where uh, it was uh, in a work concept of, well, this person doesn't do this, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do this. And it caused them to make a decision against that employee. Yeah. Well, the issue was is that when the employee found out that he didn't do this, 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 but none of that was in his job description. Nobody had ever told him that he was expected to do that. 
And so once all of that was brought out on the table, it was, well, I didn't know that. And the, the answer to that was, well, you didn't ask, you know, mm. and which we know when you look at the word expectations, it will ruin any relationship, any marriage, uh, any friendship. If we expect people to do things for us, uh, typically we expect people to do things for us that we wouldn't do for them. Um, and then it just, it adds to that demonstrative downslide of a ruined relationship. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's so true. You know, I don't, you know, a lot of that <clears throat> communication thing just goes into so many different aspects and people, they don't, they don't know how to communicate anymore either mm-hmm. though. Right. Cause it's all, yeah. oh, it's all, you know, social media and everything. And yeah, we lose, we're, we don't have the social skills we used mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And it's easier to shut down. So I mean, if you, if you took, let's say a Gen Z person, if you took them and you dropped them off somewhere and said, Hey, I want you to find somebody that you're attracted to and ask them out on a date, they would have no idea what to do. Right. But you give them Tinder, they could hit up 30 people and say, Hey, you know, let's, let's have a coffee date and be perfectly okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, and COVID really made us more aware that we lost our interpersonal relationship skills that, that we're not really able to sit down and have, have a conversation. And I think a lot of that comes within the anxiety of, is this going to be a confrontation, a conversation or a confrontation? Mm. Because we, we've set ourselves up to, we're going to be right. I know that I'm right without even asking ourselves, is there a way that I could be wrong? about this. And if we really think about any situation, we have to say, yeah, there's room for error. There's room for error in my thinking. Um, but again, iron sharpens iron, right? So, but if we're not willing to be sharpened, then the only thing that can destroy metal is rust and rust comes by not being sharp and, and letting things flow through us. And and a lot of people say, well, I just go with the flow. Well, if you go with the flow, you're going down the drain because that's where the flow goes. Yeah. So you have to be constantly sharpening yourself and being able to have the hard talks and the hard conversations. But you can't have those with just anybody. Yeah. You have to have those with people you trust and in your band of brothers or your wife or your mm-hmm. family, whomever that may be. But I think one of the biggest problems, uh, and you know, this, this podcast is primarily towards men, is that we have been convinced all of our lives that we are all alone yeah. and we have to do it by ourselves. Yeah, I've got the Lord, but you know, I, the Lord doesn't show up in person. Uh, but the Bible says you have not because you've asked not, and we're the world's worst at asking for help. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's so true. Uh, you know, especially and you were you were law enforcement as well. So especially in these you know, you could call it heroic roles, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in the army, it was like, you know, suck it up, you know, drink water, here's some ibuprofen, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. next, you know, go on to the next. Yeah. And a lot of guys, um, it took me a while to, once I finally got out of the military and to like actually seek the help I needed mm-hmm. and, you know, get out of that mentality, right? Mm-hmm. That mentality like, oh, you don't know. I, you know, just like we were talking about, and it's because it's hard for men to do that. But just as I matured and um, communicating with others and just really realizing that, no, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing for a yeah. lot of people to Absolutely. look in the mirror and realize 
to make the changes, you got to start with yourself. Yeah, I don't like the term toxic masculinity because I think it is defined incorrectly. But I think what toxic masculinity actually is, is a man who is a man simply because I'm a man that I don't need any help. Uh, I can tell a woman what to do because I'm a man. And, but then we carry that over into our relationships with other men of, well, he's not been through what I've been through. I know better when you don't know anything about what you're talking about. You have no idea. Um, and so we really have to be able to accept that correction, accept that discipline to be able to say, you know what? I do need to take a look in the mirror. There's a passage of scripture, I think it's in Second Corinthians, where Paul talks about uh, when he's talking about our lives and he says, we live life as such. Now, this is a shepherd version. So uh, last name shepherd is yeah, shepherd yeah, version. Yeah. So don't go looking for this quote. <laughs> but essentially, Paul, what Paul is saying is that we live our life just like a man who looks in the mirror and makes no correction. Mm-hmm. And when we get up in the morning, typically most of us, I do at least, I look in the mirror to make sure there's no anything on my face that would be embarrassing or anything like that. Uh, and if there is, I make a correction. Well, how many times would we go see, you know, something all over our face and just not even care? And there are those situations where we get into a, into a headspace where we don't care. But what is the point of even looking if we don't care? And so the first step is to get you to look into the mirror to say, hey, and this is the hardest question ever. Could I be the problem? You know, uh, and as men, uh, that's a hard pill to swallow. Could I be the, but the people who will ask themselves that question typically are the stronger people because they can work through problems. They have good communication skills. They're able to seek help. Uh, And, you know, again, the main priority is to not believe the lie that you have to do it alone because you don't. Yeah. And that's big. Um, one of the things that I've been uh, challenging the officers that I train, I challenge them with this question. I'm like, and this could go for uh, a husband, you know, a family man too. If I, t- I asked them, I'm like, if you're, if you were in a fight you know, as a cop, and you're on the ground fighting for your life mm-hmm. and your backup is you in your current physical state, mm-hmm. would you be comfortable that your backup's going to come and actually help? Mm-hmm. And that could be said for, you know, uh, a family man too. Like if the house catches on fire, could, would you be, do you think that you could drag your family out before, you know, something bad happens? And that's kind of where, part of the idea for this podcast is, is to just not only spiritually to build up other men, but also to motivate them to Mm -hmm. just overall wellness, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, health, uh, what they're eating, all everything they're ingesting. But again, that motivation has come from inside. It does. But sometimes I feel like I've had guys come up to me afterwards and like, yeah, you're right. You know, just when you pose those hard questions, Mm -hmm. sometimes it forces them to look in the mirror, even though they're looking in the mirror every day. Mm-hmm. They might not see that, you know, that that's that, you know, piece of broccoli that's been in their beard for, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. months, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. Cause you and I are about the same age and we were taught, you know, boys don't cry. Yep. You got to be tough. You know, you got to do all these things and that carries over with us. Um, there's a, there's an ideology that I believe in that is not, 
typically accepted within psychology, uh, at least within uh, psychologists in in my realm. Yeah. And um, it, I believe that there is a time between the age of eight and 13 where you are what I call value processed. And simply what that means is however you appear to yourself between the ages of eight and 13 is how is going to mold your personality. If you are beat down and talked like trash to by your parents mm. from eight to 13, that's the kind of mentality that you're going to have. If you're sexually abused, that's the kind of mentality you're going to have. Um, and, and so the, the key there is in psychology, once that basis is given, there's only one way to change it. And that's through a major traumatic life event. Well, we know that God puts those situations in our lives to get us to look at things differently. But a lot of times what happens is we'll have this major traumatic life event and we'll turn in instead of turning out to God. Yeah. And so then that just puts us in a lower and lower. And then you get to the point of where uh, you may be chronically depressed. You may be anxious. You may be suicidal. You may be homicidal. All of these things. And it's simply because God is giving you the opportunity to look out towards him when you've just caved in on yourself. That's good. Um, so speaking on that theory right there, I know for me <clears throat> growing up as a kid, I, you know, I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be a soldier and I mm. did both. So how did you go from, what, what was your position in the band or the, uh, quartet? The quartet, I was baritone. So how'd you go from baritone yeah. to law enforcement? So I would never, it, it, law enforcement was never my purview of anything. And most of the people back home, when they found out I've become a police officer, they thought it was a joke because like, that's not Brian's even ability or mentality. Yeah. Um, but what happened was the group that I was singing with, the guy that owned the group was the chief of police. And so I began to ride along with him and then got the bug and you know how that works and, and, uh, became a police officer, went through all of it. And, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, but there was a lot of growth there that, uh, I had to have of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm by trade a peacemaker. That's, that's what I do. And, you know, police officers are supposed to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, there's a lot of times where you just can't make peace of a situation and you got to go hands on. And, and that was difficult for me. Um, and, but then in that, you see that real life scenario of when I call for backup, people are going to show up, yeah. you know, if I start screaming on the radio, somebody's going to answer. Yeah. Um, but then when we apply that in real life, are you really able to say, and I know you are, cause I'm that person for you and you're that person for me. But are you really able to say right now that you could go on your phone, you could find somebody that you could completely confide in, you could call them right now and they would either answer or call or text you and say, hey, I'll call you right back. Yeah. And I would think that about 70 to 80 percent of men in America do not have that. Oh, I believe that 100 percent. You know, that's <clears throat> I, <laughs> you know, back when I was, uh, let's say, um, enjoying the wine a little too much, you know, before I really started to turn my life around, you know, I'd, I'd find nights where I'd call up my buddies that I went to, you know, Afghanistan with and stuff. And sometimes they'd answer. And then sometimes, you know, they just wouldn't. And then it was like, man, uh, they don't call you back or whatever. And that, you know, that, that can wear on you as a man, right? Mm -hmm. If you make those calls in 
potentially desperation trying to reach out to somebody to, you know, and then you don't get any kind of response. Mm -hmm. You know, I can bury a man. I can bury a person, but, you know, especially a man when it's that hard to be vulnerable to Mm -hmm. reach out to somebody in the first place. Yeah. I've had people call me at like three, four in the morning and say, the first thing out of their mouth when I say hello is they say, I didn't think you would answer. And I was like, well, then why'd you call me? You know, I didn't think you would answer. Or they'll say, I don't know why you continue to answer my call when, and then whatever it is. Well, everybody has value. You may not see your value, but everybody has value. And if you're going to be a person who wants to encourage other men, which we all should be, then you've got to be willing to answer at any time of day for whatever matter. Yeah. Sorry for all the dogs. (laughs) They're just agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the, that's the thing, you know, I, I know that if I, especially nowadays, cause people don't call each other. Mm-hmm. If somebody calls me, I'm going to call you back. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause I've been on the opposite end of that where I've called people and you know, yeah. crickets. Yeah. Well, uh, my demographic of work is much different than yours. And yeah. so people call me, they All don't the text. Yeah. 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 And I better answer when they call. Right. Uh, but then there are people like I, if you call, I know I better answer. Right. Cause you would just text or, uh, you would text and say, Hey, can you have a minute or can yeah. you answer? But if you just call then, then I know, Hey, you better answer. Or, and there are other guys within our men's group that if they call, you better answer. Cause, cause they need you right then. Yeah. 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 We've, I mean, we've seen that mm-hmm. even when it doesn't necessarily come over a uh, phone call, but sometimes we're, somebody puts out the word mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. we've seen some great action. Yeah. And <clears throat> Um, so I don't know how, what do you want to, where do you want to go with this next? Um, so let's I, just talk about how you and I met and how our brotherhood So that's started. what I was thinking. Cause I know there was a pretty big breakthrough moment, mm-hmm. uh, there for you the first time. And if you want to get into that a little bit, but, um, yeah, so we had no idea who we, we were, mm-hmm. each other were, uh, we went to man alive. I've talked about that on previous episodes and mainly because it's coming up again we're going down yeah. to te- you're gonna go mm-hmm. right right yeah so it's down in texas um it's phenomenal down there i'm excited mm-hmm. people all the guys that we know that have been to mm-hmm. the one here in arkansas they have no idea right <laughs> texas it's, is just completely different some i don't know i'm yeah. getting excited maybe, thinking maybe about it's it. the uh <clears throat> it's just the atmosphere is yeah. different it's not so church campy i guess it's, it's not so church campy like just something about that Texas air, mm-hmm. you know, it reminds me a lot of the upper peninsula of Michigan mm-hmm. with, with the pine needles and yeah. just the way it was. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so we went to the first one in Lonsdale, Arkansas, which I found out from my pastor actually, mm-hmm. that where the, where that church camp is, there's a, the one platform or, uh, you know, cement pad there. Mm-hmm. I think he said there's a, a canopy or something there now. Um, and I guess once upon a time, it was a hotel hmm. for the mob because hmm. Hot Springs, yeah. I can, that I can get area that. was like a neutral zone mm-hmm. for the mafia. Like it wasn't like a no fighting zone. Yeah. And I guess it was like kind of a, you know, a gambling mm-hmm. prostitution type of thing. Yeah. It burned down and now it's, mm-hmm. a, <laughs> now, it's church. now it's a church camp. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we went there and um, 
And I don't know about you, but I knew nothing about what to expect. Yeah. Like <laughs> literally <laughs> nothing known to expect. And if you, the, the man alive, it's man alive expedition.com. If you even read on there, you, it's like, actually, I think it says if we told you what was going to happen, we'd have to kill you. I think it literally says that on the website. Uh, but it says we promise there won't be, you know, kumbayaing around the campfire and that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, this is already weird. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I'm all about this. And uh, you get there and it just like within that first or second session, like everything becomes clear, mm. you know, that, that, Hey, my relationship with Christ is lacking, yeah. but I am a beloved son. And, and there's just such a power and presence of God there that you can't deny um, yeah. what's happening. You cannot deny that this could even be real. Yeah. And it, the, I think it was Ryan. Um, I think it was Ryan who was like, Hey, you guys should come to this. It was either Ryan or Brian, either way, <clears throat> but you know, Ryan mm -hmm. and the guys that he's, you know, uh, Deweese and, mm -hmm. um, Adam settle and those other mm -hmm. animals that yeah. <laughs> like, these are like absolute, some of the most savage individuals mm -hmm. I know, like, yeah, but they're the most humble, like greatest Christians I know as well. Yeah. And, that's what I love about it too, is because like knowing where, how like Ryan got there and like he essentially brought mm -hmm. me in and just stuff like uh, that. And then also there's people there that is like, how, like, mm -hmm. I would yeah. like, I, you know, I probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't interact with you in the world because we were just on total opposite, right. opposite spectrums. Yeah. But <laughs> we're so much alike yet so far apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob told me the first time Ryan, went to man alive yeah. that he actually packed up his car and was leaving yeah and uh turned around and he came and said this is basically church camp and i've never quit church camp so he like, stayed and yeah. it changed everything yeah. i mean it literally changed everything and, I, and honestly i i'm i think he went there before i met him and he is a hundred percent one of the reasons why i'm i am here mm -hmm. specifically in my career field because i he challenged me to be better yeah and like because he stayed there's a lot of men like mm -hmm. a lot of men mm -hmm. that have just bettered their lives and yeah. I, I feel like i'm a testament to that yeah. and just going to that and experiencing mm -hmm. it if you actually sit there and you do you turn your phones mm -hmm. off and you do it yeah you got to be fully invested yeah yeah because it's so easy to in the covenant uh covenant of silence to get that little paper and just go out and you know, wander off and yeah. be in your own little world and not be committed to what you're trying to do. Uh, but what I found was that at that point I was so convicted that I had to do what that little piece of paper said, you know, I had that, that ability to hear God clearly mm -hmm. in those moments that, you know, I've been a pastor full time now for, for 16 years, I have never heard, heard God speak to me the way that he has ever spoke to me at man alive. Yeah. I mean, it's clear, clear to me. Uh, and so, I mean, there's, there's a power there. Not only are you building a brotherhood of people, you know, that you can trust, you know, that they'll take it to the grave with them, mm -hmm. but you are building your relationship and, and the sonship of the father, uh, which is, which is so important. And we forget, I, I really do think that we forget that, you know, we're joint heirs with Christ. Um, and so 
we kind of look at God, the Father, and Christ the same, which that's not how that works. We are joint heirs. We are equal to Christ right. in our inheritance. And, and when you really grasp that thought, that the sonship there, and why couldn't you do anything? I mean, you literally are a son of God. Yeah, it's such a powerful thing. And, you know, I remember in my, uh, in my bunk, there was these, I say kids, they were probably my age or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, Anybody younger than you as a kid? Well, you know, and I'm, I've kind of got this mentality, like if it kind of goes back to our earlier conversation, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you, you probably, you didn't experience the things I've mm-hmm. experienced. You didn't go yeah. to war, you know, so I say mm-hmm. kids. So yeah. anyways, um, but the one, the guy, <laughs> he was on the top bunk and the guy under him was snoring so loud. I'm going to give you the earplugs. There's mm-hmm. a earplug in your welcome yeah. packet and he didn't use them. And he was like a zombie the next day. I think it was his brother, him and his brother ended up leaving and they were on their phone the whole time that they yeah. were there. And just that disconnect, because I, I messed up the second time we went when we went to Texas. I had my phone for like the first night mm-hmm. in, and a half. And then yeah. I finally told Bernie, I was like, hey, I, like, I'm not mm-hmm. fully invested in this right now. I need yeah. to put my phone away. Mm-hmm. And just putting your phone away, like that is so unheard of in the world. Yeah for you know even a short amount of time we're talking about you know four days essentially mm-hmm. and yeah my phone is my security blanket yeah. you know um i feel and and this is a it's an unhealthy attachment yeah but it's one of those things where if i don't have a phone i don't have anybody that can help mm-hmm. and so um how if i'm all alone already and i don't have a way to communicate then i'm a million times more alone uh and so but then as a pastor, you know, anything could happen at any time. And if I'm not able to be reached, then then what's the outcome? You know, how are things going to work out? So it's uh, Pew Research actually did uh, a study on pastors and vacation. And they said that a pastor has to be gone at least seven days before he's able to be in vacation mode. So, so it suggested that a pastor never take less than 14 days of vacation at one time. And, and that's a long time it I, is. I, I, on my salary. I can't afford to be gone 17 <laughs> days or 14 days with, you know, on a vacation somewhere. Uh, so it makes it difficult. And th- so for those of us who are either pastors or business owners or supervisors in some kind of capacity, the most difficult thing for us to do is give over control. And, and it's funny you say that now, now that you say that, like most of our core group for man alive are in those roles. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, I think you're probably the only pastor, yeah. but the rest of them are all like business owners mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, real estate agents, people mm-hmm. that are constantly on their phones. Yeah. So yeah. that's funny. that you. But it's that. almost like, it's, it's almost like the concept of fasting, really. Yeah. I mean, you go without food or water for seven days to fast. Well, okay. God knows that you mean business when you're not eating, but, but most of us you know, have much substance that we could live, you know, for much more than seven days, but to really fast, to really be serious enough to turn off your phone, your lifeline, that is, that is a commitment that, that you're taking there. And one of the, I think the, one of the great things, I mean, obviously one of the biggest things and great things about that is you're constantly engaging Mm -hmm. while you're there Yeah, and you're surrounded by other guys that are doing the same thing. And yeah. it, but when you do have those guys that don't put their phones away, it can be super distracting. It is. 
It is. Because it's like, man, I wonder if he's checking on his, his kids and, my, mm-hmm. and his wife. You know, oh, man, what am I, what's my wife? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hardest things about deploying. Mm-hmm. You're always worried about what's going on back home. Yeah. Yeah. But then that brings in a level of trust. Yeah. You know, you trust God to handle your problems. Yeah. Are you strong enough to know that he can handle it better than you can? Yeah. You know, and that, that really kind of starts eating in a little bit. Um, but you know, I, and all of that, all of that encompasses to the nighttime fires of where you have this, this group of men that, you know, you can speak freely, mm-hmm. you know, that, and the biggest thing with me was that not only did I know that I could speak freely, but I know that if anybody in that group told anything, that there was a good possibility that they could end up dead somewhere, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, that this wasn't some kind of, you know, little rinky dink summer camp or, yeah. or weekend that, I mean, there were, that was very serious and it was made known that what set, is said at the fire stays at the fire, yeah. you know, and, and there was you, a lot you of you saying that it makes me think just the pause one second, like mm-hmm. that, the big fire we had, remember mm-hmm. there was gunshots going off. Yeah. And then people took off running. There was, um, there was, I know there was some night vision and some mm-hmm. other stuff going around. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, yeah, it's funny. It, it was a little scary there for a minute. Touch yeah. and go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but just to, I don't think that most men ever have the ability to stand in front of other men that they really don't know and pour their heart out Yeah. without fear of being judged, without fear of anything. Um, and that is so needed. It's yeah. so needed. I mean, when you, when you look into psychology and therapy, the biggest thing about getting people through issues is getting them to vocalize what's going on in their heart and in their head. Yeah. And then when they speak it into existence, they realize, Hey, this isn't as big of a problem as I have perceived it to be. Uh, cause you give them feedback of what you just heard. And, and so it, it works, but then in this situation, you give all of your heart to these men. And, you know, one of the biggest things was, um, and you may or may not remember this, but you know, I spilled my heart about everything that I'd ever like, like, I was, have you, you've watched the movie, the Goonies. Yeah. So when Chunk was caught by the Fratellis yeah, and like, they had his hand in the, in the blender <laughs> yeah. and then he started, you know, confessing the, the sins that uh, they had no care yeah, about knowing. Yeah. Uh, I kind of felt like that moment of where I was just opening up. And while I was talking, like I started feeling hands around me. Yeah. And one of my, one of my trauma things is I don't like to be touched. Like don't touch me. And, but in that moment I felt safe enough that it was okay. Yeah, and then, um, uh, Joseph Mize came to me, you know, uh, big cowboy hat, you know, just John Wayne-ish kind of guy. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, can I have permission to hug you? And I was like, who would ask that? Like literally who would ask that? And I said, yes. And then he hugged me and like lost it, like fell, like, you know, all of that rage, all of that anger, all of that hurt. And he's not one that looks like a hugger. No, either. not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, but so much power in that moment yeah. that I was, that it was known that I had control over what I allowed somebody to bring to me. Yeah. And, and that was a huge, huge turning point for me that, that I had control that, yeah. that, um, uh, you know, I was, I was big enough 
not physically, but, but uh, mature enough emotionally and physically at that point that I didn't have to let people run me over. You know, I was pretty much a yes man until that point in time. Um, but I, I still try to be amendable, but you know, if, if I don't think it's right, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. That was such a, it was such a powerful moment. Cause if you think about it, how many people do you think were around that or people, how many men do you think were around that fire that night? Um, I think that camp, there was like 180 something. Yeah. So that yeah. was, it wasn't like, you know, just four or five people. No. It was, it was, uh, it was a group of people. That was a huge group. I mean, yeah. there was a microphone and speaker yes. and everything that would make you not want to do it yeah. was there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then I had this kind of attitude of, and it was a little self-righteous, I guess, is, uh, I'm a pastor and they know that I'm a pastor. So why would I be afraid to tell my story, you know? And then, uh, and then I got up there and the very first words out of my mouth were something that was just absolutely crazy that I'd never even considered. And that was that I'm afraid of men. Yeah, I remember that. Like, and then I was like, what did I just say? Like, because <laughs> to me, it didn't even make sense, Yeah. but then it all clicked. And that was the whole thing was I don't have relationships with men because I'm afraid with men. I don't communicate with men because I'm afraid of men. You know, all of everything that fell in order was because I was afraid of men. And I had really good reason to be afraid of men. I mean, really good reason. Um, but God healed all that in that moment. And even, you know, I came back to church and that, that next Sunday, I think was Easter Sunday. So it was an awful time to tell what happened to me. <laughs> but uh, I remember saying, uh, and, and a lot of people watched the live stream, uh, watched it later. So very, I said, I went to Man Alive this weekend. It was, it was just, this past weekend was uh, just crazy, strengthening, just out of this world. And I realized that I'm afraid of men. And the whole congregation started laughing. And I almost stopped right there. Mm. Like, because, you know, I'm going to make a fool of myself. Yeah. And, and I didn't know, and I, I was proud of myself or not. And I went to tell the story and then there wasn't a dry in the place and people yeah. felt sorry for laughing, but how many of us would have stopped right there? Yeah. You know, and, and it's about having the courage to go ahead and tell, you know, just mm -hmm. go ahead and tell I've, I've had people, uh, in men's group talk about their addiction to porn that if that were me, I don't think I could admit that, you know, or, uh, addiction to getting massages and having happy endings or cheating on their wives or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I don't, I don't know many men that would sit in a group of people and be able to have the strength to admit those things. But until we do, until we have that accountability, until we have those brothers that we can trust, you're just going to keep living the way you're living. Yeah. Holding it in and just, yeah, mm. yeah it was, it was such a, such a powerful thing that, I mean, a few months later we were going back, you know, down to Texas. Mm -hmm. I think the the one thing that if anybody from the you know the setup team hears this <laughs> uh, would be if we had a uh, a group bonfire like that at the end because mm -hmm. we didn't you know in Texas right in had, Texas it was split yeah, yeah. It was split up uh, but in Lonsdale this year it was all back together wasn't it I I wasn't there because uh, I had already we had committed I, to a marriage yeah year. I think I think it was all back together because somebody mentioned that that wasn't as effective. In yeah, Texas, so maybe it'll be, yeah. maybe, maybe it'll, it'll change be. this year. But, maybe. Um, yeah. I, and you know, I would suggest too, um, that the first 
two or three times you go, you go by yourself. Mm. You, you don't bring, at least, you know, you have your people that you work with. It's been before, but like, you don't bring family members. You don't. Yeah, I messed that up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I didn't like you talked about on the website. doesn't really say anything. And, uh, my brother wasn't really a believer at the time. And I was like, Hey, you want to go on this? He's like, Oh yeah, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking because I thought if it said anything about, you know, the Bible or anything mm-hmm. on there, and there was only like one comment mm-hmm. that says anything. Yeah. And, uh, so I got him to go. And then I was like, Hey, I asked my dad if he wanted to, if he would go too. And my dad thought we were going fishing or something. <laughs> so I basically kidnapped both of them. And, well, you, you had an opportunity to go fishing uh, while you were there. Yeah. Yeah, they did. We, but, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't the best, uh, it had a positive outcome, but like you're alluding to it while you're there, you're not able to focus. And that focus. was between me not putting my phone away and then mm-hmm. having to constantly think about mm-hmm. how they were interacting with it. Yeah, I agree. You should yeah. go solo mm-hmm. uh, the first couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would also suggest, uh, which this is my personal preference and maybe yours as well, is that you go several times before you go to advance because advance isn't for everybody. Yeah. Copy. Yeah. It's, it's just not for everybody. Um, and it wasn't for me and you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's not for everybody. Um, but yeah, this last time I went, I took several friends with me, friends that were outside of the church and, and I still just going through the basic was very in tuned. And, and the thing is, the message is the same, but the messengers aren't. And so they give a whole different perspective about whatever topic you're, you're covering. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like every time you go, it's the same person giving the same speech. Oh, is it not? Yeah, no, okay. uh, it's always different. Huh. Um, and so you get a different perspective on the same subject that may give you a whole different thought process yeah. about what this means, as opposed to what you were presented the first time. So, but well, that's just, that's just a God thing to happen. Oh yeah. It's like you read the Bible, you read the same verse a hundred times and that a hundred and first times where it's like, right. Ding. right. <laughs> yeah. And so even having guys there with me, um, it was encouraging to me to be able to do it, but even more encouraging to see these guys growing in this, in this time, in this area, uh, of seeing these guys that I've never seen cry before. Just weep. I mean, just weep. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a difference between tearing up and crying. And these guys were crying um, because they, I mean, they're taught that they're alone and we're not alone, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and and they they have that brotherhood. Now, it wasn't until after Texas that you and I really became close. And and so I think that there is a lot of, of great things. And I've mentioned this to the leadership team is that. Yeah, it's great to have men alive, but I think when you leave there, you should be assigned in some sort of way to people relatively close to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the first man alive I went to, uh, I left and I think I had, I had lunch with, um, oh, what's his name? You work with him, yeah, Matt. Uh, Matt. And, uh, and then it was just like, there I'm alone again. You know, it's just here I am. And, you know, we leave this, this high and mighty pump. It's kind of like, I, I reference it to like getting out of boot camp. You, you're a mile high, tall, yeah. and you're bulletproof. Yep. And then, but when you need help, it's not right there. Yeah. You know, that when you need that that training, that that 
retraining. It's not right there. Yeah. And so you feel ostracized, you feel alone. And so it's important then for you to plug into those men's group, but you also have to make sure that you plug into the right one. Yeah. Uh, because you can't just go to church and say, I want to be a part of men's group and then spill your heart out to them and expect them to just take you as you are. That's the way it should be, but that's not always the way that it is. Yeah. And that goes back to the, you know, the whole premise of this podcast and hoping to, you know, just reach as many guys as possible just to, um, you know, look in the mirror, seek out somebody, you know, if you're in a rough spot, don't seek out the same people that you've been hanging out with, but, you know, look to somebody more mature, um, you know, in our opinion, you know, a Christian, Mm. good Christian man. um, And if you want to see these changes in you, you should seek out the people that are what change you want to see. And um, having that support group is is so huge, you know, and that's, um, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today. I've been here three years now, just over, Mm. just a little bit over. And with the guys that I met uh, that I work with, to the guys at the man alive that, you know, are in our group, you know, I wouldn't be the man I am Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the means. I I can honestly say, I don't know that I would be here if it hadn't have been for the change that it made. Mm. You know, um, we all deal with depression. Uh, when you are, when you're ostracized for so long and as a pastor, I believe being a pastor is one of the loneliest jobs that you'll ever serve in. Uh, and, and, you know, the devil has ways of, of convincing you of things that aren't true, yeah. uh, that, that it's really easy to become suicidal. It's really easy to go down those paths. Um, and so I, I can say that it, it came at the moment that I needed it the most. Uh, and, and it has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're the part of it. Yeah, part of it. Oh, I'm kind of awesome. No. Yeah. <laughs> you don't always show up on time, but you eventually show up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's part of it. <laughs> um, man, I'm, I'm really excited for the next one in yeah. Texas. Uh, I still need to sign up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to put our, I don't think sure. they're like selling out or anything. Yeah, I know. But um, what I, what it'd be cool to do. And I talked kind of Rob about it. If, you know, we get a group of guys together while we're there, mm-hmm. just maybe when we do our bonfire or whatever, just, you know, pull the mic out and just kind of chat it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously not for some of those more intimate yeah. things, but yeah. even if we do it on one of the other downtimes, just mm-hmm. kind of get together and yeah, just kind of chat because mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be in such a different state of mind mm-hmm. over there. Yeah. And I think that could be really cool. Yeah, I do. I do too. Yeah, brother. I appreciate you and your time. No problem. Um, problem. I'm sure we'll do it again. Yeah. It's an honor and a privilege and all those other things that you should say. Right. All the, all the good things, but all right. Well, uh, until the next episode, uh, y'all look for those, you know, guys that can help build you up and uh, go to the ultimate, you know, Jesus Christ. God bless.